This is Liren Baker, and welcome back to the Kitchen Confidant podcast. Today, we're chatting with writer, anthologist, and editor Jacqueline Chio Lauri. Born in the Philippines and now based in Manchester, England, Jackie's work includes the highly acclaimed The New Filipino Kitchen, stories and recipes from around the globe, as well as publications in anthologies, academic papers, and global media sites, including The Huffington Post and Epicurious. She is back with her newest anthology, We Cook Filipino, heart-healthy recipes, and inspiring stories from Filipino food personalities and award-winning chefs. And we are joined by some of the contributing authors today, Cynthia Cherish-Malaran, Will Mordido, Kathy Hardy, Cheryl Baun, and Paolo Mendoza, and myself. Welcome, everyone. Hi. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Liren. It's so good to see everybody. And Jackie, let's start with you. After the success of the new Philippine cookbook, what, what was the inspiration behind We Cook Filipino? Yeah, um, I really felt very strongly that there was a need for a book like this. First of all, because of the pervasive problems of heart disease in Filipino communities and the world at large. And second, because of the unfair notion about Filipino food's role in our heart health. So before embarking on a project like this, I had to sort of uh, do a reality check <laughs> because uh, something like this has never been done before. So of course, it's going to be very difficult. So I asked myself, am I really ready to dedicate years of my life, tons of work, uh, go through lots of frustrations, rejections, hurdles to see this through without expecting anything in return except perhaps for the hope that one day we have a book that could make a difference. So thanks to all of you. Uh, to be very honest with you, We Cook Filipino was a lot tougher to pull off than my first book, The New One, but um, we've made it. Congrats to everybody. <laughs> I know I'm personally very proud to be part of this this collection of stories and, and recipes. And I think what's really great is how you've opened up this conversation about how, about heart healthy cooking, Filipino cooking. I think there are a lot of misconceptions and there's also a lot of truths. So maybe you could just give people who are listening an idea, first of all, of what is Filipino cooking? Is it heart healthy? Is it not heart healthy? And how can we make it more healthy? Okay, so I, I think like any other cuisine, there are foods or dishes in um, Filipino cooking that are perhaps healthier than other dishes. And there are also dishes that are <laughs> less healthier than the others. So I think this is something that is common to all kinds of cuisine. And to if there's one thing that I have learned from this, from doing a We Cook Filipino, is that it is not to characterize Filipino food or any other cuisine for that matter as unhealthy. I think that is uh, an unfair characterization. We shouldn't be um, saying that sort of generalize a cuisine. It shows not only a lack of knowledge of the cuisine, but also a, a lack of respect. For me, it's like stereotyping someone based on race or gender. No, I agree. And, you know, there's definitely a lot of vegetables that are used in Filipino cooking. But I think 
um, maybe to people who aren't as familiar, they may think of, you know, more of the fried dishes or lechon or, or things like that. So I think it's also important to highlight the whole spectrum and then also how we can evolve Filipino cooking so that it's it can be healthier um, in some ways. But Jackie, what was it like collaborating with so many food creators from around the world? It was very exciting. At the same time, it could be also uh, kind of, it could be a lot of work to, to put every, I mean, to, uh, to work with everyone. Everybody has their own time zone, has their own pace of working. They have their, their lives, of course, they're, they're busy. So it is kind of difficult to get um, all together. But in the end, I mean, it was very rewarding. And also you get to know people more and um, it is emotionally rewarding to uh, to get to to learn and to work with people from uh, from the community from around the world. I also have to wonder, how did you connect with everybody? Are Were you just cold emailing people? Are these all people that you've developed relationships with throughout the years? What was it like, co- like collecting the contributors and, and deciding, you know, who you're going to actually approach? So perhaps if there's one thing that is uh, that was easier for We Cook Filipino than the new Filipino kitchen was finding the contributors. So uh, uh, some have volunteered, some were recommended by um, the new Filipino kitchen contributors or some of my contacts, and some I've reached out to personally. So I wanted to make sure that the, the contributors bring diverse perspectives from different parts of the world. I remember the first one I reached out to was Rizel. I asked I asked her if she would like to be the food photographer for the book and also to contribute to a story and recipe. Pity she she couldn't make it to this podcast. But yeah. Yeah. And she right away she said, Yes, I love to. So it was very thrilling, very exciting, especially when you get um, contributors like you all who's like, yes, I would like to take part. I would like to contribute. It was really a great feeling to hear that. Yeah, I'm sure that was so rewarding. Rosella is so talented. She lives not too far from me. It's, it's so it's it was so fun when I found out that she was doing all the beautiful photography for the book. Oh. Okay. So you do see her once in a while there? Yeah, maybe like once every couple of years, whenever there's an event that we end up going to, um, <laughs> to you know, it's just, it just works out that way. But yeah, she doesn't, she lives literally like three exits away from me. She's very close. So Kathy, I just wanted to turn to you. Kathy Hardy is an accountant turned cook who opened her food truck, A Taste of the Philippines in Denver in 2012. And you may have seen her compete on Food Network's Cutthroat Kitchen and Chopped. And now she's based in Chicago, where she opened the restaurant, A Taste of the Philippines, inside the Chicago French market in 2020. And Kathy, I'd love if you could just tell everyone quickly your journey from being an accountant to cooking. Oh, for sure. So hi, everyone. Kathy Vega Hardy here. I'm actually born and raised in the Philippines. My mother, who was the chef and nutritionist in the Philippines when I grew up. So all of my recipes, quote unquote, I should say that, quote unquote, are actually based off of her recipes. I say the quote unquote part 
just because, you know, Filipino moms and Lola's don't really have a exact <laughs> recipes. It's just like a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But anyway, I was an accountant from when I was, I don't know, like 20 years old up until I started the business. And there was definitely like the way I was let go from my corporate job. It was just like it left a really bad taste in my mouth. So I just figured, you know, I've always wanted to start a business um, on my own. And what better yet than to share my Filipino culture in Denver, Colorado, which is definitely lacking in Filipino representing that our our cuisine out there. And then I found out I was actually the very first mobile Filipino restaurant in the whole state of Colorado. So at that time, like the whole food truck scene was just kind of getting started out there. And then in a year, it like everyone just opened up a food truck. So I feel like I opened at the right time. And, and you know, like the first few months of opening was very difficult because no one knew what, uh, how I they would pronounce it was like lumpia or <laughs> something. So like seriously, <laughs> even if I had the descriptions out there with my menu, everyone would be like, what's a lumpia? What's adobo? What's pancet? So it was very it, it was very cool at the same time because I'm educating them. I'm talking to them. And it was a very tiny food truck. Literally, it was like an eight by four. But the inside kitchen part was literally like two feet. My working space was like two feet by four. So I was in there by myself doing register and cooking and, and serving and everything. So I literally got down to the nitty gritty and talking to everyone. And then fast forward in 2018 like about six years after that it just kind of i got you know i feel like i got to where i wanted to be out there and then i wanted something more so i kind of just like jump shipped and moved to chicago with no plans nothing i just like you know what if i could if i made it in denver i think i can make it in chicago so i made it a point you know five-year goal was to open up shop inside the French market. And then I did it in three. Unfortunately, just happened to be, unfortunately and fortunately, just happened to be around the pandemic. But here I am, I'm still standing, you know, and now I'm in a book with you guys. So <laughs> it's just been like a crazy, you know, crazy journey. And I love it. Like I'm going on my 12th year in April. So it, it feels great to be representing our culture our recipes and you know like what Jackie had asked. sorry that's my daughter she's like okay. rolling her eyes <laughs> but yeah so it's just like what Jackie said it's like that Filipino food is we can represent it as a healthy alternative as well yeah and I I really like how you have such unique ingredients in your adaptations so you share a recipe for longanisa which is a sausage yes. and it's purist. Um, but you, you've used some unique ingredients. So maybe you could just talk through your process in adapting Filipino recipes to make it a little more healthy. Yes, uh, certainly. So when I when my husband and I actually go out to eat, I'm always, I always have a file in my head, like, how can I make this Filipino? Mm. Like with like the Longanese Scotch egg, that's like British inspired mm -hmm. dish. So I'm like, okay, how do I make that Filipino? So I just kind of replace certain ingredients. But with the longaniza, when I, I actually put up for lumpia, but someone had already 
gotten the lumpia recipe. So I'm like, you know what? Longanese's can be challenging, but I'm up for it. So I'm like, okay, how can I make this healthier? So I just substituted, I substitute like sugar instead of sugar. I pureed um, dates, which mm -hmm. is, has the same kind of profile to it. And then you got the red dye. I'm like, what is red that I could, oh my gosh, this took me maybe two to three weeks to develop. And I'm like, okay, what's red? Obviously, tomato's not going to work. And I don't think you know it's going to give it that red tint because it'll just kind of soak up in the meat. So I'm like, okay, what can I do? So I'm like, oh my gosh, beets. So I actually pureed an actual beet and then I... At the end, at the end of the day, it was like the beet powder that just give gave it that red richness to it, and then obviously like the the ground pork, I kind of substituted or just kind of mixed in ground turkey with it. So um, it was very fun to create. <laughs> so just finding the ingredients like the the beet powder was a little bit challenging. So luckily Amazon came <laughs> to the rescue with that. Thank so. goodness for Amazon. Exactly. And then I made it. Um, I, I forget if I had the, the skin to it, but I think I opted with like the, the skinless. And I actually have kind of adapted to that at the shop as well. I don't put the skin on just, you know, because it's like pig, um, pig intestines. So I just kind of like kind of for like just didn't use the, the skin part of it. So. Yeah, and it, it definitely saves time too, which I exactly. think is probably more palatable to home cooks. <laughs> so exactly, yeah, very very fun. I'm gonna go across to Cynthia Cherish Malaran, who's also known as DJ Cherish the Love. Hi, hi. So Cherish is a radio host, and she has that voice for it for a DJ and a DJ for Heritage Radio Network. And her shows are Wedding Cake and Primary Food, which center on conversations about food and activities that nourish the heart, mind, and soul. And Cherish, I love that you wrote about emotional eating. And I think we all have our own definitions for this. So maybe you could just tell everybody what emotional eating means to you. Yeah, uh, it's, it's like <laughs> I kind of had to figure that out for myself after having so much illness in my life. I'm a breast cancer survivor. My mom and my dad have had many illnesses and I realized, you know, is it just the food? Is it really just the food? So one of my shows on Heritage Radio Network is called Primary Food. And I can describe it as this, the food that Jackie has compiled from us in this book, I consider, we consider secondary food. It's the stuff that you chew and you eat and you swallow like pizza or a vegan langanisa. Primary food is everything else in life that you do that nourishes you before you eat. And you'll notice that the better quality of primary food you have in your life, the better quality secondary food you choose for yourself. You know, you think about like primary food, think about relationships, that's great primary food. You know, like you have a job that you love is great primary food. You love listening to music, that's fantastic primary food. I'm a DJ, I did radio, I'm now currently uh, the very first woman DJ on Broadway with Here Lies Love, first and only. <laughs> so music, everything is like a primary food for Congrats. me, creativity. Thank you, yeah, it's a huge big deal for all of us. 
representation. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> so I realized that if I looked at my family, because, you know, I lived with them, grew up with them, and know what our food was like. My mom cooked a lot of vegetables, but there was also a lot of food that didn't contribute to health in that traditional body sense, like lots of sodium. My mom has had many strokes in, in our lifetime. Um, and my father is, he's got quite a relationship with gout. <laughs> so I was like, what, what are we eating? And I started to look at when they're feeling good, what are they eating then? And what are they doing in their lives, like their social lives? And, you know, what media are they ingesting? How are they enjoying life outside of just being in the home? You know, I looked at it in that holistic sense. And once I started to get a grasp on that, I started to really understand my own life. So when I had this opportunity to include my mom in this so that she could be highlighted in her own mind of like, yeah, these are the best choices you've made, mom. And mm -hmm. Jackie, thank you for making her the full page picture on page 74. It was yeah, thank such a surprise. Thank you for <laughs> submitting her photo. Yeah, she didn't, she didn't know. And once I got the copy of the book and I brought it to her, I showed her my little picture on page 87 with the bitter melon ampalaya recipe that's like so classic my mom makes and it's great it like cuts the you know the fat the fats of like the lechon koali I'll, I'll eat some of these like acharas and these these vinegary things to kind of cleanse my palate or to cleanse my guilt <laughs> you know so when I opened the book and I showed my picture she was so like just like in love that her recipe was in here then I turned to the opening page at the ensalada and she lost her mind. She was like, what? <laughs> so this is such a gift, this book. And not, not just because I'm speaking from me and, and experiences with mom, but everybody's stories. I've, I've read through many of their stories and these highlighted sections in the, the orange, the, the call out quotes are so touching. You know, like people talking about cooking, being cathartic and healing and loving how you covered folks from East Coast to West Coast, overseas and Iceland. <laughs> I felt so proud going through this book and it's always good to see us in a hardcover form. So thank you and props to everyone who's included and involved. I couldn't agree more. It's it's a, such a good reminder of how Filipinos and Filipino food can be found everywhere and that there's not just one way. There's so many different ways to to make an ampalaya salad, to make a longanisa, you know, and I think sometimes, um, I know as a recipe writer, you get a lot of comments from people who are like, oh, that's not the right way. And honestly, I think there's many right ways. And ampalaya salad, let's talk about that very quickly. I thought that was such a smart inclusion because there are a lot of ways that we have balance when we have a meal, and this is one of them. So maybe you could talk about how acidic salads like this provide balance when you pair it with more indulgent Filipino foods. Yeah, so I don't have the incredible educational culinary background that the rest of you do. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm really good at eating. <laughs> and I could, I could always tell when I would have too much of one thing and just didn't feel right. But whenever I would have something like this salad that was crunchy versus like, oh God, we love 
the fatty parts. I know I do. So when I would have that to balance those other things, I, I would just feel right. You know, I would feel like, like awake or my, or the, my taste buds were like activated. And I didn't grow up with, you know, like a ton of vegetable options. And honestly, it was like, I think it was college. There was a, a cute little restaurant here in the East Village in New York City where I grew up that introduced me to a fresh lumpia for the first time and it blew my mind. Because <laughs> I only know lumpia as, you know, lumpia Shanghai. And I was like, what's this, what's a salad in a roll with delicious peanut sauce? So when Jackie, when you put yours in there, I was like, yes, that's my favorite. <laughs> so I'm about the balance. You know, I, I don't think excluding something is the way to go if you love it. Like this is our soul food, right? Mm -hmm. You know, but so if you were to exclude that, you would feel like you'd miss it and you'd probably binge on something else thinking that it's replacing, but it's not. And we also have very ancestral reasons that our taste buds like these things and, and spiritual reasons, you know. So I like to just find that balance or to create the balance and then enjoy because I think that you should never be suffering or feeling like you're missing out while you're having a meal, especially home cooked meal, you know? I agree. It's all about a little bit of everything. Yeah. So we're going to go across the ocean to New Zealand. We've got Will Mordido joining us. Hello, hello. Hi, Will. So, Will, you were born in Pangasinan, but you moved to New Zealand at the age of five. And I, your background is so, so fun and so interesting. You won the silver at the International Jean Chef Rotisseur competition, and you became the country's first representative at the finals in the Bocuse d'Or. So congratulations for that. Thank you so um, much. Will also opened Buco, a pop-up restaurant that celebrates Filipino flavors. So thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. So I love how you wrote about the stress from a hard day on the line at a restaurant and how you're finding happiness as you pursue your ambitions. How do you strike that balance between the stress and finding happiness in the small things? Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's really difficult. Um, I think it's one of those things that it's an ongoing journey. It's difficult to find like a point in your life when you're like, yep, this is um, me, work-life balance, I've got it right. I think you go through periods of your life where um, you do have work-life balance and then you go through other periods when it's not. So I think it's kind of like a pendulum that swings back and forth. But for me, it's kind of, um, just accepting that the stress of um, being an industry, that's just can be part of it, but there's also parts that you enjoy. And I think it's just trying to not separate them too much and just accept that um, hospitality can be stressful sometimes and find, yeah, just find joys in, in doing it. Because I, for me, I always go back to like, why did I begin the career in hospitality. And it's just goes back down to um, my love for cooking. I just love cooking. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like your mom had a, a big role in that. Could you tell everyone about your updated recipe for balatong? Um, explain the difference between your mom's dish and, and your dish. Yeah. So um, balatong was one of the dishes that um, obviously grew up with. And it's just 
I loved it. And it was only um, not not too long after um, I submitted my recipe to Jackie that I learned how she properly did it. So what she would do is she'd use um, pork belly predominantly and she'd use that um, in a cold pot to render the fat down. So there was no like added um, oil or anything to, to, to fry it. It was just the, the pork fat. So I just thought, you know, our brief was to make healthier versions of Filipino dishes. So instead of utilizing the pork fat, which, you know, we touched on it earlier, like it, we shouldn't characterize some of these dishes as just unhealthy, but I thought, why don't I remove the pork fat and just replace it with seafood? So here in New Zealand, we're, we're renowned for our seafood. We've got an abundance of it. So I thought, why not showcase that um, instead of the pork belly? So I went through the, down that route. I also added um, more vegetables to it. Um, spinach and celery was one that I thought was the closest replacement to the ampalaya. It's difficult to find it here in New Zealand. Um, and I and I feel like the celery is a little bit more palatable to people who don't quite appreciate the flavor of ampalaya. So yeah, that's how that, that came about. I think it's very clever. And I, I do love that it basically celebrates you in a dish. You've got all the wonderful flavors um, of a traditional mung bean dish combined with the wonderful ingredients that you can find there in New Zealand. So again, mm. a wonderful yeah. evolution of Filipino food and Filipino flavors. Thank you. Okay, we're going to go back to New York. <laughs> we're going to talk to Chef Paolo Mendoza and Cheryl Bound. Chef Paolo is a 2023 James Beard Award uh, semifinalist, and together with his wife, Cheryl, they are the force behind the restaurant Carinderia in Nyack, New York. So welcome, you guys. Hi, Liren. Thank you. Can you both tell us your story and what it was like entering the restaurant world and your journey to opening Carinderia and becoming a James Beard semifinalist? Congrats. Thank you. Let us start. Yeah, he always likes me to start. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, similar to Kathy, I think the thing that kind of was the catalyst for the restaurant opening was I also lost my job um, in, in 2016. We I think we talk about this a little bit in the book, but basically the short story is that we both were kind of at a point where we're like, okay, we both want to move on you know, what's, what's our next step in our respective professional lives. And I thought I had a very stable job at the time, well-paying, you know, enjoyed it enough and said to Paolo, you know what, you actually know what you want to do. Like you have a dream. So like, I'll like, you go first, like go, you know, start working on this restaurant and I'll, you know, I'll be the breadwinner. <laughs> so he started that. And then like literally a few months later, I lost my job. And then we were like, okay, I guess we're kicking this thing into high gear. And, um, and that's what happened. But, you know, he had been in the restaurant industry for many years. I, uh, like Cherish, was just a very happy eater, a professional eater. <laughs> Not professional, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I just really enjoyed eating. So, uh, yeah, I think that's kind of like what led us to that. And, you know, people are like, why Nyack, New York? You know, we are, we lived in, in New York City for a long time. Paolo actually lived in New York 
from, you know, came from Pasay City to Brooklyn. So he, you know, he's a New, a New Yorker for longer than I was. Um, but then I actually grew up here in the Hudson Valley. And then after our kids were born, uh, we, you know, came here in 2010. So, you know, this is just kind of right outside New York City. But Nyack is this very um, beautiful kind of artsy, um, you know, town in yeah. in the Hudson Valley. I, I jokingly call it Brooklyn on the Hudson because <laughs> there's a lot of like, you know, Brooklyn transplants here. That's such a great <laughs> that's a great term for it. And, and, you know, not too far away from Nyack, you've got Rockland County that Rockland has like a really large Filipino population. So I think it makes sense to open up there. Yeah, yeah. Nyack yeah. is in Rockland County. So yeah, we yeah. do have a, a decent size. I mean, it's not Queens or something, but it's it's definitely or like Daly City, but for sure. Right. Part two of your question was about James Beard. And yeah, I'm just gonna say that the, the funny thing is, you know, we found out about that. So I actually have another full time job aside from the restaurant. And so I was actually at work perusing the local news as part of my job. And uh, I saw an article about two local chefs in Rockland and Westchester counties, you know, had James Beard nominations. I was like, oh, cool. Let me check this out. And then I saw Paulo's name there. And I'm like, is this for real? So I call him and he thinks I'm joking. So that's how we found out about it. Thought it was a hoax. So we have to go to the actual website (laughs) to check it out. (laughs) I'm surprised nobody emailed you personally or, or anything like that. You just had to find out like everybody else. Yeah, they did, but like days later. Afterwards, though. yeah. yeah. <laughs> How exciting. And that's so fun. Yeah. Well, I was hoping that you could tell us a little bit more about your dying recipe, which is a marinated milkfish, one of my absolute favorites. Um, and you share that in this, in this book. Yeah, so dying, I learned from my mother. She used to like my, one of my favorite food, other than sinigang. But uh, my mother would like make marinade from them. I learned from her, and she would put in like ice cream tubs. Oh yeah! <laughs> it's like <laughs> if you see an ice cream tub in the fridge but not in the freezer, you know it's fish dying. So, <laughs> so and but I what I added was like a, I, I feel like it needs something else, so I added that tomato cucumber salad mm-hmm. with calamose and patis yeah. and I think it adds more added more flavor to it more another layer of flavor and that like the, like like what Cherish said that sourness cuts down that fried stuff feeling to it to make it more cleanse your palate kind of so yeah so yeah and I, I've I feel like we should touch upon the significance of vinegar in Filipino cooking because here we use it you find it in other recipes, obviously like adobo is the, probably one of the most well-known ways to use vinegar in Filipino cooking. So yeah. maybe you could talk a little bit about how, how important vinegar is when you're cooking. Oh, it's very, well, it's very prominent in Philippines, especially the sourness flavor. Mm-hmm. Back in the day, you know, when there's no refrigeration, we put like vinegar to extend the lifespan of the food. It's a preservative. But a good example would that be is uh with like using the vinegar, it's the dyeing the bones. You marinate it in well, traditionally dyeing is basically like you're air drying it. Mm-hmm. But I like the it tends to get hard. But then my you know, the marination with the vinegar is better, I think. 
and then you marinate it, and then you eat it again by dipping it in vinegar, which is like double double. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, I think like Philippines like very prominent with the uh, sourness. You have the sinigang, you have the kilawin, you have the adobo, you have like we use like spicy vinegar and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, and also I think it also balances off with the sweetness of a lot of stuff. You got like tocino, add a little spicy vinegar, mm, it's better. You know, right? It wakes up the food, it wakes up the palate. Yeah, in so many different ways. Yes. So I think I just wanted to ask everybody: How do you want Filipino food to be perceived and understood, especially after your experience contributing to this book? I'll jump in if this is Cheryl, um, if, if uh, everyone's too shy. Uh, um, I mean, I guess for me, like, I think, you know, in our restaurant, um, especially because I think we're in a place where a lot of people come in for the first time and they've never had Filipino food. And I think for us, it's really, um, you know, of course, it's nourishing. It's, you know, we want people to feel welcome when they come in. But I think a lot of it is just it's an avenue for opening up an experience of a culture that, you know, you may not know anything about. And then for those who have an experience with Filipino food, it's, it's a way, you know, for us, I feel like we, it's, we're like a vessel to help them reconnect or feel at home. Like, I think for us, that's, that's a, a lot of, you know, in addition to, of course, putting out good food, I feel like that's a lot of what our mission is. I agree. I mean, as restaurant owners, for those of you who do have restaurants, you have such an interesting role because you are basically ambassadors to Filipino food and you really can shape the way a new person to the cuisine can experience the food. And then for people who get this book, I think that'll be interesting too, because Jackie, I think you do a really good job about explaining you know, the traditions and then also the stories behind, I'm glad that you included the stories behind each recipe and then how it also touches so many different classic Filipino ingredients that don't get a lot of press like ampalaya, which is the bitter melon. So what do you think is the future of Filipino cooking? Okay. Well, I think the future is now. I feel like, you know, I I feel like we've been on the the up up for so long. I think Andrew Zimmern said it in back back in like 2014 that the next big cuisine is gonna be Filipino food. And I feel like we are here and we're, I mean, we might not be in like the Chinese cuisine level yet, Thai food, mm-hmm. but we're, we're certainly there. We have people like earning James Beard, like Paolo and Cheryl here. We got Kasama with Jeannie and Tim and Boonies just got to like the Michelin Michelin food guide like here in Chicago, just even here in Chicago alone. Right. I mean, we're getting so recognized in Tom Canaan from a few years ago off like Bad Saint and or maybe it's not there around, but it's just like we're here. And I think we're just like all of us, as you call it, like ambassadors and representing our culture, our heritage and are, you know, the mainland, I think we are here and we're just going to keep growing and we're amplified now. And we have a lot of, you know, we have a lot of networks now. So. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Kathy. I do think that the future is here. I'm seeing it more. I also see it when I see 
non-Filipinos doing Filipino food or using traditionally Filipino ingredients, ube is like at the top of my mind because I feel like everyone's, oh, it's so trendy. When for us, it's just been beloved for so long. (laughs) But it's exciting to see. And Jackie, I think I just have to say thank you again for doing everything that you do to put us in the forefront. Thank you to you and to all. Uh, I really, uh, you know, this has been really a a great experience for me and to also uh, also a very great learning experience. Uh, As as I've also um, mentioned in the evolution, Filipino food and evolution in the book, I, my wish is, my wish is that the the food also since it always evolves to accommodate the needs and lifestyles of its people so i hope that there will be also more push to take care of our hearts and to sort of incorporate that in the way we prepare the dishes that we love and as also um cherish has mentioned i'm not saying that we do not eat what we love because that is actually sort of contrary that is like counter to being healthy if you want to eat something if you're craving for something it is not sustainable not to have it but to have it but at the same time to balance it let that not be the only thing that you have on the plate also try the other things because filipino food is very diverse wide-ranging try also the other dishes that could also give um, a lot of flavor, texture, and nutrients to to our diet. Yes, I, I couldn't have said that better. You know, typically I close out with a series of closing questions, but there's so many of us, and I know we're all pressed for time, so I just wanted to ask each one of you very quickly, what's the one recipe that you treasure the most? And it doesn't have to be Filipino, and it doesn't have to be the one that you featured in the book, but in just in general, is there one recipe that that you just love and cherish so much and I guess Will we'll start with you this is a really difficult question because there's just so many um but uh, one I would probably say my mum's um mum's bulalo is a recipe that I'll cherish for a very long time forever Mm. (laughs) very comforting cherish what about you well my answer to that is what I think is the future of Filipino food and the future is what I'm having for dinner (laughs) <laughs> ah. And and oftentimes what I have for dinner is uh, what I like to call dessert first or pre-zert. So that recipe is the perfect halo-halo because you can't get that everywhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's like, you know, a little too much something, a little too little that. So I'm going to attempt to make my perfect one because I recently had one at Island Pacific that was perfect. Okay. You have to tell us what makes it perfect for you. Like just the right amount of ice and this the sweetened milk. Ah. Like sometimes there's too little of that. And then the right confetti of happiness at the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> too much beans, I'm really unhappy. Just the right amount of beans is just right. And then there has to be the right leche flan. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I love it. That's the Goldilocks hollow hollow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kathy, how about you? Oh, that like like Will said, it's kind of hard to nail down. But I think I'm gonna have to go with my mom's manok sagata recipe. Um, maybe it's not super known, but I feel like it's such a light, 
recipe with like the chicken or you can make it shrimp as well or both with like the chicken shrimp with the coconut milk and the fresh ginger and the fresh garlic and then like the secret ingredients to that is patis and a little bit of uh, vinegar and it's just like in with the bamboo shoots it coats right up with like uh i use brown sugar or brown rice instead of white rice maybe i'm a bad filipino but but it's just like the way it coats the the rice and then like the bamboo shoots like the crunching and it's just it's just a very flavorful and very light dish as well for me so thanks mama <laughs> paulo and cheryl what's what are the recipes that you treasure the most for me i think it's sinigang especially pork uh because my mom's recipe mm-hmm. it, it, it's like it's home it's comfort food you know uh funny because my mom used to make it with like green tamarind like to sour it up back in the philippines because the pouches were more expensive yep. but now moving to america she used to pouches it's cheaper it's like <laughs> but yeah that's it every time i make that and it, for me it's like Oh, 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 that's it. Yeah. So Sinigang is my brother's favorite. So whenever I, I have that, I think of him. <laughs> Cheryl, do you have a, a recipe you treasure the most? You know, I'm just like thinking in the moment and I, I try not to overthink it. And I was like, you know, what's something that throughout my life has always been kind of like a staple or a comfort? And and to think of it, I don't feel like I eat it enough lately. But like tinola, chicken tinola is like one that like I grew up with and no matter what, I never get sick of. And of course, sort of the ultimate comfort food. And what I like about it too, is sort of the simplicity of it. You know, I feel like there's a lot of Filipino food that has lots of ingredients and is also very wonderful. But we also have a lot of dishes that are kind of perfect, but simple. Mm -hmm. So I agree. A lot of the simplest recipes are the most comforting. Jackie, what's your what's what do you treasure the most? Yeah, uh, the recipe I treasure the most is something I haven't <laughs> cooked in my whole life, but something I have eaten growing up and uh, that I'm missing so much that I'm thinking perhaps the next time I'm going to the Philippines, I'm going to have that. I grew up in Pampanga, and there, uh, there is we usually have um, mudfish, which uh, we call bulig in Kapampangan. It's grilled, charcoal grilled mudfish, and we eat it with fresh mustard leaves, with boiled eggplant, ampalaya, and um, what you call sitao, beans. Uh, And we eat it with fermented shrimp with rice. I'm not sure if any of you are familiar with that. It's called balobalo. Yeah. Uh, So that is like a set that is eaten all together and... Ooh, I'm really craving for that, but unfortunately, the ingredients are something that are not really available <laughs> everywhere. So I'm looking forward to going back to the Philippines just to have that. Oh, you guys are all making me very hungry. And I just have to thank you, everybody, for joining us today. Jackie, maybe we could close it out. Where can everyone find you? And I'm going to put show notes for every, you know, and include everybody's links so that we can all find each other. But where can everyone find the book? So it's available for pre-orders on Amazon.com. And basically, it'll be available almost everywhere where books are sold. Perfect. And thank you again, everybody, for joining me. I 
really enjoy this. I could have honestly talked to you all much, much longer, but thank you for spending the day with me or the morning with me or the night or whatever time it is, <laughs> wherever you are in the world. Thanks so much, Sharon. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And thank you, everyone. So nice to talk to speak with you all. <laughs> Likewise, this was great. Thanks, everyone. After we signed off, we were chatting afterwards about how nice it was to finally meet one another virtually and how incredible it would be to have a potluck with everyone's dishes from the book. Paolo volunteered Will as our host in New Zealand. Wouldn't that be so fun? Being part of this book is so meaningful, and the recipe I share for vegetarian punsik bihon, rice noodles, was already a very special recipe to me. But now that it is part of this collection of amazing recipes, it has a whole new meaning. I hope that if you're new to Filipino cooking, that this has tempted you to try it, tasting it and cooking it. There is so much flavor and love behind all the recipes in this book. Thank you again to Jackie and the contributing authors who joined me today and to you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to share it with a friend and join us again next time. Until then, happy cooking. Happy cooking.